Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans. As we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Everton haven't played since the 8th of February, but a lot has happened since that 3-1 win over Crystal Palace, United's win over Chelsea on Monday night, and Manchester City's impending European football ban has left the race for Champions League qualification wide open. I'm Ian Kroll, and I'll be your host for this this week's View from the Gallery Street podcast. The winter break is almost over, and our guests this evening are desperate for their weekly fix of Premier League action. Connor Bennett and Ben Crawford join me around the Royal Blue table. How are you, lads? Okay, and you? Yeah, not too bad. It's been keeping busy during this winter break. I went away. Did you go away? Yeah, yeah. Where did you go? It's all right for summer, Ireland over in Amsterdam. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Was it, uh, did you enjoy the trip? It was all right. Marcel Brands was in there, security, when I was coming home, right in front of me. No, no. Did you go over and meet I didn't, him? he was too, was too busy. I didn't want to... No transfer, no. rumour tips, no. no? I had all his club stuff with him, but I didn't want to uh, draw attention to him. Security was a nightmare. Very nice. I've never been to uh, Eindhoven. What, it's nice. What was that like? Good, yeah, yeah. Was it cold? No, it wasn't, you know. It was yeah. weird when we got home. <laughs> and that storm was here, but yeah, it's a nice place. Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, obviously, been to Amsterdam, like, but uh, never been to Eindhoven. Definitely have to give that one a go. Um, I mean, Ben, it's been a bit of a weird one, has it, since the Crystal Palace game? You know, Everton haven't played. Um, but, you know, there's been real interest over the weekend because obviously a lot of the rival teams around us have played. So, I mean, I find myself like really interested in the Spurs game, find myself watching the United-Chelsea game. And as like I've just mentioned there, the United win now was, was put us back in contention. So, um, anyway, let's um, give you a quick rundown. Of this week's agenda, we will, of course, preview Sunday's match with Arsenal as the Blues come face-to-face with Mikel Arteta. We will assess our rivals in the fight for European football. That includes United, Spurs, Sheffield United, Chelsea, Wolves and Arsenal. And we will discuss the Manchester City financial fair play situation and how that will impact us. Um, so, yeah, plenty to get through on this week's show. But, Ben, let's start with a positive. The return you of come to me. Andre Gomez. <laughs> Andre Gomez. Okay. Um, Carlo Angelotti's come out this week, interview via Everton on social media. He's basically said, my personal opinion is that he is ready to play and I think it's better to start the game. Well, what would you make of it? Because he, he obviously looks like he's going to throw him in at the deep end. Yeah, it seems as though Andre Gomez is the bionic man at the moment. To be fair, I don't know what his ankle's made of, but it's pretty certain stuff to be healed that quickly. I think all of us are a bit in shock, really, of how quickly he's regained full fitness and it feels as though he's been training for ages now. You know, even though it's only been a couple of weeks. And listen, Ancelotti, he's no mug, is he? For God's sake, he's one of the best managers in the world. He knows when a player's fully fit and when a player's not fully fit. And if he's saying he's ready to start, who are we to argue? I think it reminds me a lot of when Coleman came back. Uh, it was just that time for the Leicester game. You know, he was absolutely nowhere in the squads. He wasn't coming off the bench, but he was in training. And then they just threw him back into the deep end. And he started and that worked well for him that time. So who knows, maybe... Putting Andre Gomez in, even if he isn't 100% fit, might be the tiny bit of sort of motivation and that little bit of class we need 
to get over the line against what should be quite an intriguing game at the weekend, especially with Arteta obviously, you know, working absolute wonders in, you know, we just <laughs> talked about that off air, didn't we, and about Arteta not really pulling up many trees in our book. But yeah, so it makes for a really, really interesting showdown at the weekend, especially given that it's, it feels like I haven't seen him in an Everton share for years, let alone months. Connor, the, the Portuguese prince is back. <laughs> <laughs> or he is going to be back. Yeah. What, do you, what do you make of it? It's insane, isn't it? It's mad. Like, uh, my mum had the same injury not too long ago. Oh, and really? it took her longer to come back than it has him. Yeah. Obviously, he's a professional athlete and she isn't. But <laughs> is she fit for the weekend? No, she's not. Oh, um, okay. I was going to do first goal scorer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, there was that video doing the rounds, weren't they? Of him playing in the, um, the Bianco Scott door game and he... He seemed, I don't know what it was, he seemed to look a bit like slimmer and a bit like, like a bit more not as built as he was before, but he still seemed, well, you can't judge much off well, like four minutes are late, but he seemed all right. And um, we could definitely do with his boost in midfield because we've got one of the worst midfields in the Premier League at the minute without him. And if he's going to, I've always, uh, if he's going to be in the action, I always thought that he would come back as of, off the bench. Like, I'll play it, shout the gamers, and then throw them in, give them half an hour to get back up to speed. But uh, someone made a good point last night where if he comes off the bench and gets injured again rather than starting, that's two shots wasted, isn't it? Because he's coming on and then coming off. Whereas if you start him and then, God forbid, he gets hurt again, like with anything, you can just bring him off then and make the one subway. So I think that's probably a better thing. And Ancelotti would want to see just how quickly he is back up to speed off the, uh, starting from the off, sorry. Because, as I say, we've got not in the midfield that's as good as him at the minute. I mean, does he walk straight back into that, that team when, when fully fit? Well, yeah, of course he does. If he's fully fit, he's probably our best midfielder. I heard people ever time he's debating whether or not he's Everton's best midfielder on a similar show. And that, he, hands down, he's Everton's best midfielder. And people have questioned and alluded to him in the past whether or not he fits this Ancelotti system of a four four two. Andre Gomez fits any system you want Everton to play and he's still the best midfielder. If he's fully fit, you know, he goes straight back in that team and he doesn't, he's not even a player you'd even take off during a game. He just plays 90 minutes consistently while he's fully fit because I think we've all seen a gap in our midfield since he's gone. And okay, we've got players like Gabamon and that who, if he exists, will come back at some point, the ghost of Gabamon. <laughs> but, you know, Andre Gomez... He absolutely walks into our midfield and I'd just like to see another sort of West Ham or Anfield-esque performance from him at the weekend at the Emirates because if we remember a couple of away games he had last season where basically the game was being played on his terms and at his level and wouldn't it be nice to see that at the weekend after everything that's happened and of course, unfortunately, Son won't be able to watch it because he'll be in hospital because he's out until the end of the season. He is, yeah. So as we as all wish him to get well soon. As has been revealed uh, in the <laughs> week. It's a funny one, Connor, isn't it? Because Angelotti, since he's been here, hasn't had the luxury of you know calling on Andre Gomez, has he? And you know, I'm sure he's been well aware of him yeah. before he took over Everton, but has he actually seen much of him in, in the flesh playing him? So the fact that he's saying these things, he must have been impressed just by what's happened over the past couple of weeks since he's been back in training. Otherwise, you'd fully expect him to be like, well, he's not quite ready yet, he's not up to scratch. You know, for me, it's it's looking very positive. Yeah, I think he's... He, but it's not hard to look at him and then go, well, we've got something there when you're looking at Fabian Delph and Gilby Sigurdsson every week, are you? But 
he must have, like, as you said before, how long has he been back now? About a month by himself and getting in the first team, I think it is, about around about that time. So obviously, he's had a good look at him now, but but it's a completely different story when you're in match action. How much he's seen in that 60-minute behind-closed-door game and gone, well, he's sound and we can start him on Saturday. You don't know because obviously... There was rumours about them playing against a different side, but he ended up playing basically what what was it like a mix of the first team in twenty threes. So yeah, it's probably it's probably a bit hard to judge there. And I think that's why you'll want to see him against the Premier League team and someone who are sort of on our level in Arsenal or there or thereabouts, shall I say. And it's it's a good test for them, really. Like that's that's all that I can also can really think of. It's it's a good test against that sort of side. It's not where we say we're throwing him in for the Anfield derby and you're thinking, oh bloody hell, well. He, he like sending a lamb to a slaughter or city away to Arsenal. It's a ground where like fair enough we never really win, but you're looking at it and you're thinking, well, we should be getting something from this game, so why not start our best midfielder? Yeah. Um Arsenal are one of our rivals in the fight for Europe. I mean they are below us, a couple of points below us. Um I just want to assess our rivals in in the fight for Europe. Got United, Spurs, Sheffield United, Chelsea, Wolves and Arsenal. And us would include seven clubs who could potentially now probably finish fourth after Monday's results. Okay. Obviously, we know the situation with um, the fifth place potential Champions League player uh, spot, but we don't know if that's going to stick. We don't. Yeah. Know, obviously, it's up in the air, but you, know, you would have thought that all those clubs are, are aiming for fourth now. So do you see Arsenal in that fight or do you think they're best suited to... Concentrating on Europa League because they've got two Europa League ties either side of the game on Sunday. They play this Thursday, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of teams in the running. I think even before this Manchester City news came out, I think everyone was sort of competing for the Europa League anyway, but it's just sort of made an extra place available, if anything, if that does come to fruition. But, but I even think force available though, isn't it? After, <coughs> absolutely, after the result the other night, yeah. I mean, for us specifically, because we play every single one of those teams. Okay, um, to go back to them when you named the teams, the way I'd look at it, if I was looking from an outside point, if I was to rank all of those teams, including us, for how good the team is, give or take Sheffield United, I'd probably say all those teams have a better current fit 11 than we do. I probably would. But I think we've got a better manager than all those teams as well. So that's going to be the test for me. I think on paper, you know, you look at especially the likes of Wolves and Tottenham, they have got better teams than us and they have got some better players than us. But I think we've got a better manager than all of them. So we're fully in the mix. And at this point, I'd probably still take Europa League football because I don't know whether we've got the squad more than anything to compete for a top four space. I mean, we look at it at the moment. I know we're doing okay and we're getting Gomez back. But we've got the likes of Theo Walcott as our only really right wing, only real right winger. You know, there's other gaps in the squad that with the likes of Kabaman out. I think to mount a serious challenge, we've just got to, for me, it's about getting through these next three games against Arsenal, Man United and Chelsea. If we come out of those games with, say, say six points, even if we lose one of them, that for me is a positive. But if we do, if we revert to type and we go back to the Everton that I certainly know from my lifetime supporting them, you know, we'll probably beat United at home and lose the other two no matter how we play. Who would be the, the ideal team to lose to out of those three if we were to pick up? The six points just based on the fact that it's like a six pointer, isn't it? All oh, right, um, because if you if you lose to Arsenal, then they're they, catching us up. But if you beat Man United and Chelsea, then yeah. you 
I think you get points on the board. I think maybe you take the Chelsea games lost and, and get the other two six points on the board because what we don't want to do is we don't want to fall out of the race. You know, I don't want to be playing catch-up. I'd rather have the six points in the bank and lead the chase for people to try and wait for us to slip up rather than us maybe lose the Arsenal game and try and play our own game of catch-up because as we've seen in the past, that doesn't work with Everton. So we need to get the points on the board and just keep just plodding away and try and get as many gritty kind of results as we can, really. Um, the winter break is now officially over, Connor. So there's no real... Um weekend breaks now towards the end of the yeah. season because the fifth round of the FA Cup is, is midweek. So Everton should have a game now at least once a week, every every Saturday, Sunday. So with that being said, then who's got who's got the better momentum going into the final part of the season out of the teams mentioned? Well, to be honest, when you were saying before, like bank the teams, I think I, I would take us over every single one of them at the minute. I just think that... I, I, like... The only one who I sort of worried about is Wolves, but then they're in Europe. And I'm thinking we know how hard that Europa League is to balance with a, a pushing on for fourth and fifth at the United minute. United's still in Europe. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, I think they're in the Europa League, aren't they? Are they? I know Arsenal definitely are. I'll I'm, check that. Go ahead, I'll check it while you... But I'm not too worried about United because they've got Solskjaer and he's a clown. Um, <laughs> and they're very inconsistent. Yeah. They'll win... I like the City, Chelsea so, and stuff so like when that. You got, so when you were saying about momentum now, when we're looking at these games, we're playing everyone who we need to be sort of taking points off and catching up and creating gaps when you talk about Arsenal. So if we can start turning this form that we've carried since Ancelotti took over into these next like eight or nine games, even more than the three, because I think we play literally everyone who's above us in this next two months or so. And if you're taking, let's say we lose two of them, that puts us in a position where we can be looking like thinking, oh yeah, we can get fourth. Because Spurs, I think Spurs are the the best of the rest. But then they've got no Kane and no Son for how long now? That's a big blow for them. Which is a it? massive blow, especially for the way Mourinho plays. Like Chelsea, I think Chelsea have got that soft belly about them where we can go and get something off them. We've seen that at Goodison when Ferguson took over. Mm-hmm. You put a bit of fight in front of them and they will cave. United did that on Monday or whatever night it was. So I think that we just need to just keep playing our game and just have a go at these teams. If we can, because at the end of the day, if we beat them, there's no one who's going to have more momentum than us pushing on for fourth and fifth. If we can start taking points off them, if we take points off, our, if we beat Arsenal on Sunday, that's a what a six or seven point gap now between us. I'm not worried about Arsenal if we beat them because we're gonna we'll, we'll we'll keep outpacing them. They are they've got too much to deal with with Europe. It's them. It's them. Sheffield United are the are the weird one, the mystery because. They get points from anywhere. And you look at that <laughs> team and you think, just an hard working side. They look like an, an old Moy side, if anything, where you think, well, you should beat them on paper, but then you play them and think, oh, bleeding now. These are the solid sides. So you get one of those a season, don't you? Yeah. One of those yeah, yeah, yeah. teams. Burnley, obviously, one of the teams last but year. You, you're sort of looking at them, like United, just to keep it on, like Sheffield United, sorry, to keep it on there for a minute, where you're thinking, they're going to fall away at some points, but they're not yet. So you just need to keep pace with everyone. And I think if we can do that by beating Arsenal, by beating United, getting a point off Chelsea, um, I think we play Spurs after that not too long, beat them, and then God forbid the derby. No reason why we can't finish fourth. The whole thing will come round with, with City, like what's going to happen with them, obviously, and we'll get on to that. But I think if we can just keep in that fifth and sixth spot and guarantee Europa League at the minimum, what a, what a, what a recovery from the beginning of the season. I mean... A lot of the teams within that mix 
us and Sheffield United aside, they've all got distractions, haven't they, midweek? Now, obviously, you want to be in Europe, don't get me wrong, That's what this is what we're talking about, so we're in Europe next season, but to an extent, the likes of Arsenal, their best chance of qualifying for the Champions League next season may come from the Europa League. United are in a bit of a you know different situation there, you know, qualifying for the Champions League via the league is in their hands, but even they've got Europa League, they play um, Club Rouge, mm. and then you've got Spurs in the Champions League, you've got Chelsea in the Champions League, Wolves in the Europa League, you know, distractions, and whereas Everton, each week, can focus on every Premier League opponent coming up. Yeah, I get what you're saying, Ian. I mean, the only problem I have with it is, I know other teams have got cup commitments, etc., but I think that's kind of negated by the fact that we've, Listen, we've got the next four games for me, like I've alluded to earlier, are crucial. The issue I have, I love the positivity uh, from the both years, to be fair, about the away fixes, like saying you get, but I can't see an eventuality where Everton pick up nine uh, pick up nine points from Arsenal, Tottenham and Chelsea or anything like that, because we know that Everton away from home against the bigger teams, we, it doesn't go well. It never goes well. I mean, how long is it since we've won at Tottenham? We've never won at the Emirates. We haven't won a Stamford Bridge since about, was it 1996 or something yeah. like that? You know, we, we can kid ourselves all we can and try and be positive and maybe it's different now. We've got a new manager, but I think we also need to really keep track of the fact that it's this is going to be make or break for the season. Now, we've still got to go away to Sheffield United, who you've mentioned. Is that second to last game of the season as well? Third, so we yeah. could potentially go and they're competing for Europa League spot which that's going to be a difficult game away there so we've still got to go away to Tottenham to Arsenal to Chelsea we've still got to play United and Leicester at home as well so really we've just got to we've got to hope that Ancelotti brings something different to this squad because this is still the same squad for me unfortunately that has if we for use of a better word, bottled it on so many big occasions in the, over the last couple of years. So proof's going to be in the pudding for me. And at the moment, I'm just sort of keeping the reins on anything at the moment. Stop being so negative. <laughs> but have you not seen any signs then? Well, obviously, you, I know what you're going to you're say yet, but yeah. have you seen signs since Angelotti's come that we can we can be a different Everton? Because we were talking before we came in here, weren't we, and saying, yeah. you know, win the next three games or get positive results from the next three games. That's something that we probably have never done in the past. Okay, uh, the only example I give you there is I completely agree with you, all the positivity, all the green shoots and that, but we went to Anfield and got beat by the under-23s. Perfect example for me. And then we still continue after that, a good run of form. That That's what I'm trying to get at, is that we can go on a run of 10 unbeaten games in the league, but when it comes to the crunch, that's when we blow it. When it really matters. You know, let's face it, we've beaten all that like last-minute win against Watford was great, and then beating Palace and all that was fantastic. But arguably the most important game for a team who hasn't won a trophy in, tw- in over 20 years was an away game at Liverpool that we hadn't won since 1999 against what was, it wasn't quite a team of kids, but, you know, a very weakened side. And we completely and utterly bottled it. And that was with Ancelotti. So as much as I trust him to get it right in the long run, I think we've just, you know, I'm not trying to be negative, but you've got to remember that when the going gets tough, sometimes Everton don't get going. I mean, Connor, you're, you're obviously, you're, a glass half full then for the next couple yeah. of games. You think we will do something that Everton don't usually do? Yeah. You think that's what we'll do? I, yeah, and it, and it literally goes back to the manager because I just look at that and I just think, what, since he took over, we've lost one league game and that was a game we were meant to lose at City. So I, I just look at it and think, well, 
let's be honest, like go back to Watford. That 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 can be a turning point. I said that the other week <laughs> where we haven't won away like that in forever. And if he can inspire the team to do that more and more, and he can take that that they can take points from like those sorts of games. That's when you start believing, right, we can do something special. Well, not something special, but, like, kick on and finish in Europe. And that's the big point. I think if, like, we we win on Sunday and he'll, look, and he'll point to it and go, well, you've never won at Arsenal since, like, I think since the last time we beat Arsenal away. Obviously, never at the Emirates. And you'll point to it and you go, well, next week we play whoever. Let's go and do it again. And if it just builds and builds and builds, then he's done his job, Annie. And I think that... As, you, as I, I agree there, it's the same squad. It's a squad that let us down so much and we look back at the Anfield game and think, oh, well, that should never have happened and it can never happen again. But I just got so much belief in the fact that he's our manager and he can do something with this team because we're winning games that we don't ever win. We're not letting these results slip into draws that we have had so many times in the past. And I just think... Newcastle aside. I, Did another that, example. That another example right that there. Doesn't, that doesn't that. count. I wasn't there. I'd got off. <laughs> uh, Do we only win when you're there? Right, you get get down the Emirates I, I, on I, Sunday then. I'd got off. That doesn't count. <laughs> didn't didn't happen. No. Doesn't exist. So I, I, but I, I just I can look past that and just think right, he's our manager and he can do something with this team. And it, I don't know. He's got Tia Walcott looking like an alright player again, and he's got Morgan Schnadl and putting him performances there. But since he was at Southampton, like. I'm just just so hopeful, and that he's the one that gives me more optimism than looking at whatever team he puts out on Saturday because I just know that he's going to do something that'll influence the game. If we go to the Emirates and we get three points, I'll shake your hand and I'll say <laughs> fair enough. But uh, I, this this for me is the turning point this yeah. Arsenal game because it is literally so evident. It, We're going there, arguably. If if this was a neutral venue, there wouldn't be anything to pick from, being it would be the favourites and the better odds. And yet, I'm convinced we're going to go there and just flounder. Not because they're that good of a, a better team than us, just because I've just I've seen it revert to type so often. So I hope that I'm in here next time apologising and saying I was wrong, Ancelotti's God, you know what I mean? But We will get you in here to apologise to Connor. You <laughs> mate, will bow down win, to Connor. If we win, <laughs> mate, if we finish in the Champions League, I'll come in and bow down, don't you worry? That's fine. I've said that on air though. I will get you I turned. Don't bet you we won't. I will turn you before this podcast's over. I will get you to be positive. If we get in the Champions League, mate, that'll be all the belief I need as long as then Kalina doesn't come out of retirement oh. for the qualifier. Is it fair enough to say that we're the only team at this moment in time with two strikers who have, well, formed a formidable partnership and are firing on all cylinders? I don't know. I can't really pick any other team. Maybe you could suggest Spurs, but... Kane and now Son injured. are now injured. They have, I mean, even Mourinho said himself, they've got no attacking options on the bench and now right. they've got no attacking options. We've got, I mean, Connor just said there, Theo Walcott, really good. Hopefully he comes back. Bernard, Turn the corner, yeah. The main two, as in Richardson, and Calvert-Lewin. Would you not say Arsenal have though? Say that again. Would you not say Arsenal have got an even better partnership? Yeah. I mean, as a partner, I know what you're going to say. As a partnership, maybe not, and they don't always play yeah. together. But individually, they've, they've got... That's what yeah, I was about yeah. to say. They're brilliant, but I don't think they've been on fire. Well, they both the scored the last game, didn't they? Yeah, but well, that's one game. I'm talking about I don't really consistent think, run. I don't think they complement each other as well as Richarlison and, and Calvert-Lewin. No, possibly not. But individually, yeah. they're better players. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult argument because, like, you're completely right and there, maybe Connor. have Richarlison over rather than... At this moment really? in time. If Aubameyang the was the same age as Richarlison, 
Well, well, he's not, he's not, he's no, no, but that's, that's like, you've got a cup final tomorrow. Who do you want in your team? You've got a cup final against Liverpool. Oh, come on. We all love the Charleston, but you got Aubameyang. No, no, no. It's a Chelsea one for the next podcast. Listen, mate, come on. Charleston is becoming for me I've been so complimentary about him I've I've been saying he's becoming like he's even becoming a world class striker in the making but come on Aubameyang is he the best striker in the league? possibly no. other than Aguero maybe Danny Ings <laughs> jokes <laughs> Connor I'm going to give you the final say Richardson or Aubameyang Aubameyang but Richardson is, <laughs> a, is a very close you've gone here mate you've gone here mate <laughs> Well, we'll we'll see whatever. Lacazette, Lacazette, or Calvert Lewin. I'd have DCL over. Would you have to see? That's what I'd have. Lacazette. We've done it now, haven't we? They're the the only two good players. (laughs) Can I just say that now? They're the only two players in there. I'm actually jealous that they've got anyone else. I probably wouldn't go near. To be honest, I mean, let's face it. You know, expectation is high at the moment. I mean, not not with uh, Ben, obviously, (laughs) because I'm the realist. (laughs) I'm the I'm the level head amongst this group. It would just be standard Everton, though, wouldn't it? For yeah. us to, That's why I'm... You know, pissed. we're up there, even fifth can get Champions League now and we just go and lose the next three. All right, you know, they are three of the, the best, better teams in the league, but we've got to do something different, haven't we? We, we? we need to do... We can't go and Everton this situation, can we? No, we can't. Like, we just... You want... Um, like, you, you've got a manager like that and you just think, like, the ghosts of years past, this is now your time to get rid of them. And other clubs, you'd be like, oh, yeah, we'll do it. Don't worry about it. We'll do it. And it does. And you've got that lingering thought in the back of your head, like, oh, will we? Because we don't. But I just, I don't know. I just can't help but feel positive about it. Like that, there's demons of our past that are not too far away from being banished. And it's not obviously solely on the manager. I think a lot of, a big part of it has to do with him, but not all of it is. He can't obviously go on and score. But I just, I've seen enough where now where we can, can do something like this and go and beat these sides like Arsenal. Like, if you look at it as a managerial battle, who would you rather have, Ancelotti or Arteta? No question there. No question. And that, that, that's, the, that's the way I go through it at the minute with these other teams, is who would I rather have? I'd rather have our manager than all of them, to be honest. And, and that's where after battles won. And if he gets it spot on, we'll be sound. I mean, it's a different podcast entirely, but it just seems like, and it, it is very early, don't get me wrong, but it just seems like a lot of things on the pitch are starting to move in the right direction and now and now things off the pitch are starting to make sense as yeah. well. You know, the sport pacer deal is now gonna be gone by the end of the season. God knows what's gonna happen for the posit- for the yeah. for the good. Um, stadium stuff yeah. was out today. No, exactly well. yet stadium news. To be honest, I was I was gonna um speak about that. Um but like there was not enough time and I but you know quickly mention that plan and application for the stadium is um going in. Tomorrow, it's online, isn't it? I online, saw something yeah. online, but there's no North Stand apparently, so it's got to be a bit windy. No, no, that, See, no. that's getting built first. All oh, right, okay. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw like someone tweeted like yeah, a list online of all yeah, the stands, yeah, yeah. and the North Stand was cut off. So I thought, oh, it's going to be a bit windy down by the dock, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> well, we will talk about that in another podcast. But um, I just, yeah, I just feel like it's all starting to come together. And again, it's too, it probably is too early to say that, but I'm starting to feel a lot. <laughs> positive about it it's the hope that kills you Ian listen Ben I've had it's enough, the hope that kills I've, you, had enough. I've been here so many times let's move on quickly oh. move on let's talk about Manchester City <laughs> and the, the financial fair play situation and... the view from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo the view from the Gladys Street podcast obviously we know how it's going to impact us um, 
you know, we could potentially get fifth and get into the Champions League. But what were your initial thoughts when you saw that news uh, earlier in the week about City being banned from Europe for two two seasons, as well as being fined? Was 30 million it? euros. 30 million, something like that. Okay, I was completely gobsmacked, to be honest. It was Friday night, I think the news broke, I was sat at home and uh, I just looked at my phone and I saw... I thought it was a bit of a joke at first, to be honest. And then once you see the, the credible journalists and credible news outlets posting it, I thought, what's got it? Because it's all to come out of nowhere. And well, listen, we all know the investigation's been ongoing for a long time with the course of arbitration and all that getting involved. But I didn't think a decision had just come out the blue like that, especially like the, on the eve of fixtures being played. In fact, one fixture, Wolves and Leicester, was on on Friday. And I thought, what a strange sort of time to announce such big news. But obviously... Exactly, but my, my initial thoughts were straight away, well, how does it help Everton? Because obviously I only care about it. Despite you saying I'm an Arsenal fan, you know, all I care about is <laughs> Everton. But, because um, I do love them on the sly. But um, it was just a case of disbelief and how can it help Everton? And, yeah, just looking at the table straight away. I got the table straight away from working out points totals, looking at future <laughs> figures. I like we all were, come on. We're all going, how far are we from fifth? If fifth becomes Champions League, if, if eighth could become Europa League. That, to be fair, again, okay, that's the negative Ben Cumberland's again. The first thing I didn't check was fifth. It was, what if it drops down to eighth, the Europa League? Because, mm. you know, even if we finish in the top eight but got Europa League, for me, that'd be a successful start for, Anche- for Ancelotti. So we'll have to see what happens with it. We'll have to see what gets ratified, what doesn't, and because obviously they're going to lodge all kinds of appeals and they've got the weight of the nation behind them as well in Qatar. And I just think it's a case of at the moment, sit tight, see what happens and just aim as high as we can up in the league. But it would be nice if we did fall short and say finish 7th or 8th, that we get a little bit of a helping hand really because it probably probably due to us after all those things we've suffered in the past. I mean, Conor Ben said there, it kind of came out of nowhere, but in a way it hasn't, has it? It's just, no. it's been prolonged this yeah. investigation. If you followed it, then you, you followed it. I, I personally haven't. It was, it was a surprise to me. But... Now we know, don't we, from the general meeting that Everton had back in January, they were talking about the the importance of financial fair play, and now mm. we know why. Yeah, well, I think City's more to do with dis- deceiving, isn't it? Like, it, li- it? Like Lion, I'm saying, like, it come from yeah. Etihad and stuff, and I think a lot of people laughed about, well, we could do that with the USM, and you're thinking, well, UEFA are trying to stomp that out. But I don't know, I think the City versus UEFA thing, not to get all conspiracy theorists, but it's been going on since like City got took over, to be honest, where... I think Manchester City just hate the Champions League. They hate that, it, that's what I was about to say. I read something um, from a City journalist, must have been yesterday or Monday, sorry, and it said uh, it's been going ever since literally the first qualifier for the Europa League and they had like a banner saying like, we're ruining football and City said, you've got to take that down because UEFA will not like be happy about it. And then they did and then ever since then it's been a bit icy, like UEFA got wind of it. And I just think that City have always tried to upset the apple cart with, spell- with spending so much money and just trying to force the way into win this Champions League. And obviously they get Guardiola and you're thinking, oh, Manchester City got Pep Guardiola. Like, obviously they've thrown money at him, but historically, which is a lot of what UEFA look at when like you watch the presentation of the Champions League and stuff, they, they love teams with history. And you just felt like they went... Ne- never seems like they were going to go after Barcelona or Real Madrid, even though... They've had their own problems with money in the past with their own nations. They felt like they were going to try and make a point of maybe like City or even Chelsea. I think City were a prime target because obviously well, Chelsea have had a transfer ban. Yeah, but that's what I'm, like yeah. it's not been as like heavy as a ban from the Champions League, is it? Which is can have a I think a bigger impact on the club than a transfer ban where you can bring kids through and stuff. Mm. But I, I, yeah, it came out of nowhere. I just think 
in my in my own opinion, I think City will win the appeal on the fact that they believe it's that uh, didn't get any independent look at it. It was all UEFA bias and stuff like that. So I think that'll probably they'll probably get well next year's next season's you know Champions League sorry we'll be throwing out the window and we'll just have to play the league and then the season after they'll be left back in with a reduced fan. That that's I I don't think it'll get two years and a bit any any heavier than that. I think I, it'll be resolved before the end of the season because well, I think I think I read that they're trying to do that yeah mm. and I, that would obviously be beneficial for everyone because then obviously we know where we stand. Where we stand yeah. Within terms of like, are we in Champions League? Are we in Europa League? It'd be just our luck to think that we've qualified for the Champions <laughs> League say that. fifth, and then you either go, oh no, sorry, City are back in now. That's what they'll do. That's literally what they'll <laughs> so wait and see if ever finish eight. Ro- I think Rob said that. No, um, yeah, yeah on Twitter. I, I think he said like, oh, you just know it'll we'll finish fifth, and then you, day after you will go, oh no, sorry, now we're letting City back in. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I think at least at least this season, I think fifth will be the Champions League, and I think that's obviously what we need to be aiming for. But after that, you've got to thinking oh well they'll be back won't they so let's deal with it for this season but we we they obviously they need to be resolved but everyone else needs to be resolved as well absolutely what are your your personal opinions on financial fair play do you like it do you think it works i think in theory it's a good idea but i've also Got to sort of make the case that I, dis- I can see Connor shaking his head. No. I'm, I am moving on to me disagreements here. We both shook our heads. <laughs> right. It's ahead. like communism is good in theory, but it never works. <laughs> um, no. Financial fair play. It doesn't work because it was brought in at a time. Mind, now, look. Oh, I can't wait. This isn't right. For the, for the people listening, I'm sat in the middle here. I'm just getting hounded out with everything I say. Go right. on. Sorry. Sorry. Right, where was I? Financial fair play. Financial fair play. Uh, it's good in theory because in, in the idea of it is to keep the game fair, but it doesn't do that, was what I was going to say, because all it does is it stops any other teams from breaking the establishment. That's what it is. It's basically all the teams who are already in the in the top tier and the top five and six in the league basically can't be catched because if you have had financial fair play brought in 10 years before it was, or to the extent it was, it is now, Manchester City wouldn't be where they are. They'd probably be in League One, League Two. But the difference will be you would have... Remember now, it's the top six now. It used to be the top four. Liverpool, United, Chelsea and Arsenal. That'll be all it would be now. There's no chance for any teams to to kick on and progress because you just can't. Okay, people will argue back and say, oh, but throw money at things and that is not, uh, not fair either. But there you Liverpool, Chelsea and Arsenal and United fans because at the end of the day, hypothetically, look at, like you've said before, Sheffield United, how well they're doing this season. In a hypothetical world where FFP didn't exist or you didn't have to be as compliant as you do, someone, I don't know, Saudi Arabia, for example, could go and buy Sheffield United, notice the potential in them because they've had success on the pitch, so they've not come from nowhere, and invest heavily in them to give them a Champions League standard squad, which is all that, at some point, all the other teams have done because that's remember everyone started on zero league titles. But then... That's, you can't do that now. So all that means is that the established top four, top six, whatever you want to call it, are nice and happy because no one can overtake them because one team tries to buy a £100 million footballer to bridge that gap between fourth and fifth and it's like, no, hold on, you can't do that. And it, and you can't get commercial sponsorship deals because you're only a top 10 side. But this, So you can't really win. So it, it's interesting for me to hear what Connor says on this as well because I can see him chomping at the bit to try and get involved here so for me no it doesn't work it's, well, 
the long answer, basically. Is it just a ploy then to keep the traditionally big clubs at the top of European I've, football? I've always thought it's absolute rubbish because it does not work. And it's just a UEFA thing to say like, oh, well... Well, it, it works for the big, bigger clubs. Yeah, but I was going to say, as, as, a, as a overall, it does not work the way it was intended years ago when it was brought in. If you wanted to be serious about it, you'd imply a salary cap like American sport and just say, well, everyone can spend X amount yeah. and, and that's it. But but that's not the case because, as we said there, it's to keep everyone who is a Champions League or Europa League team happy. Yes, you will get that one team who makes the run every season and gets in, but they will never sustain they it. Can't because because they That's can't the build on it. That's the point. Because as you just said there, they, can, they can't look at it and go, well, we are a £50 million midfielder away from being a top four team. Because if they go and spend that £50 million, they've then got to make it back over three or four years. And it doesn't matter if you have one season success, no sponsor's going to look at you and go, well, we'll throw £30 million at you a year because you've had that one season. Because as soon as you fall off a cliff again, their investment is dead, it's kaput. Whereas United history behind them can do what they want Liverpool history behind them can do what they want Arsenal history behind them got links to massive sponsors in America City Abu Dhabi that's their club Chelsea Abramovich so that was perfect for them and I always thought when it first came in it was like great it'll now put everyone on a level playing field but it just doesn't work that way in theory it sounds good doesn't it the theory behind it is great but teams will always find a way to to, to circumvent the the rules which is what we're already it's obvious that we're already looking to do it because of the losses we've yeah. made. And we're thinking, oh, well, we can get so-and-so for the stadium and that. And that's where it, it works. But no, not everyone is going to go, well, we'll build a new stadium to then get that commercial rights. That, it doesn't work. And it, it will never work as it should do because it will just keep everyone happy, as we've already said. I mean, yeah. it was brought in with all good intentions, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. 2009, was it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you'd only have to look at the likes of some certain clubs who... Let's let's like give examples like Leeds, maybe Sunderland, who Portsmouth. probably Portsmouth. Yeah. Um, they're just three who probably spent over their means. Um, okay, you know, Leeds still exist, Portsmouth still exists, and so and so on. But like, they nearly did go out of business, so I can understand it. But it, it's just it's not fair, is it? Because the likes of the top, you know, handful of clubs in the league can only commercialise and, and make money. I mean, if, if the TV deals disappeared... Which they probably which, will. Well, in terms of... I, I think we'll be... Premflix. <laughs> but we'll still make money, though, won't it? Yeah. The clubs will still make money. But if that went, then the income would drop considerably. I think the best idea would be to cap. Like, say... I mean, it couldn't just be the Premier League. That would have to be yeah. the, the whole of Europe, yeah. wouldn't it? Um, you know, you can only spend £100 million and that's it. I think that's that's got to be fair. That's the only fair way of that was the only way. That's me. the only way it would work, and it will never be like that because then you wouldn't have. It would impact so much on say like transfers, and that they wouldn't then be able to sell the stories of like, well, so and so is going there for so and so. And once you spent your money, you're out of the race yeah. basically. It affects so much more than just mm. commercial television. Yeah. Jim White would have to get a new job. Great. Well, I still think <laughs> that, I still think that would exist, but I just think spending would become a lot more sensible. In in a way, because you'd need to, you you would probably again maybe focus a bit more on youth. That's what that's what I always thought when it was brought, and I thought, well, City and that will start. Remember when we like more we'd have been like two or three million on a player. I'm thinking they'll start spending on our pills now on them sort of players to keep the FFP down. But it, it just never worked like that, has it? Let's no. be honest about it. I I just think capping everything, and it would bring down the obscene transfer yeah, fees yeah. now for 
for, for players, like over 100 million. It, it's only going to get more the way things yeah. are going. First billion pound player, it'll be soon more. <laughs> well, I mean, a couple of years ago, you probably be laughed at at that but now you'd probably say it's probably not that far off no, ridiculous no and no. Bappe was like what 190 or something stupid like that wasn't he 240 yeah Jesus yeah, you know what I mean that's it's it's ridiculous that, that it is a broader question across the board and obviously it's for people a lot more in the know than we are to decide but they well, just do you think they're in the know well no exactly but it's like anything political isn't it it's the people at the top making the decisions doesn't mean they make the right ones, but mm. they're in charge, aren't they? And, you Very know, they will be... There. What, sorry? Very poetic there. <laughs> what can I say? You've seen me well, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, they have got to introduce some, but the only arguments I'd have to the point you made there, Ian, about cap and transfer fees, say that every club got a hundred million to spend, right? <laughs> Everton getting the phone to Crystal Palace, will say, ha, hundred million. Yeah. It doesn't matter. That won't, that won't affect anything. That'll just mean that every player goes for a hundred million. That doesn't, that just me, okay, it'll bring down, you might only get one player a month, but that's not in a million years going to turn around like, oh, now the new laws have been introduced, yeah, we'll let you have so half a day to me. It's not going to work. Every club's going to, every Still perceived... maximise value. Well, no, that's mean. it, because it's going to make it even thingier for sort of the lower down clubs, because someone comes in for a Charleston, under a million sort of, but if then we try and go out somewhere, we can't spend 200 million to replace them. But I don't think... So what's the if, point? If that was the case then, but I don't... I think it's like it's like a house. You see, the players like a house. It's a it's a market value. So the reason, you know, transfer values are going up is because clubs are willing to pay for it. And you know, clubs certain clubs don't need the money as much as they used to. So they're happy to to not sell. Whereas yeah. if it was capped at, a, I'm not. I'm just using 100 million as a figure. Yeah. And you're using Zahar as an example. Just because we were linked with him and the money yeah, put us off. It would, it would bring it down. Everton aren't going to go and spend £100 million pound on one player just mm. because they've got £100 million to spend. So you're obviously, you know, you're either going to keep, Crystal Palace will either keep Zahar for the season or they'd be willing to sell him for, you know, what the market value will come down to. It's it's sustainability and keeping things yeah. balanced. That I, I think effectively that's what will happen. And that's what happens with house prices. Yeah. It goes up all the time, but then it comes down. It goes up all the time and comes down. It just depends on how much you're willing to spend I was gonna, yeah. on that on that player. I was gonna say the only issue I have with I've and I've been quite vocal in this and through a lot of my avenues, is that it doesn't matter a bean what player's worth. It's what the club want for a player. It really doesn't matter. Like people, you know, especially Liverpool fans, sorry to mention, happen to give me a lot of grief for a piece I wrote saying that Charles was worth more than 85 million, but he is to Everton. Well, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, so you, you could say about the house prices and all that, but, you know, every other club in the land apart from Everton will go, his current value is probably about 60, 70 million. But that doesn't make an ounce of difference to Everton because he's not worth that to Everton. So, there's got, like I say, broad discussion across the board, but it's, I think it just proves in this room that it's, it's, it's pretty impossible to try and sort. Really, isn't it? It's gonna be, it's gonna be a difficult one. It well, is an interesting topic feeling. which we can talk about um, all day, probably. But let's move on to the last segment of the podcast, which is we'll briefly talk about Everton v Arsenal, and you know. We will come face to face with former Everton player Michael Arteta. Still got love for Michael? No. No? Not after he left. No? No. That's no. You think we'll win? I mean, you're definitely going to say yeah, you're all positive. I, 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 yeah, I can see a, a Sunday afternoon win for the Blues. Yeah. A nice, not like a domination, but like a nice little 
2-1 smashing grab last minute it just I agree it just feels different a win at the Emirates we haven't won there it just they're feels all, like they're always, they're always the team that I look at now like the top four and think well we'll beat them this season away and we'll beat them this season away I always think that's the easiest one that we'll get is the Arsenal even though we never win there yeah. and I just feel like this has got to be the year we do it I mean Arteta will definitely be fired up for it won't he you know former club ever and I'm sure he'll he'll feel a bit of love but I'm sure he'll get a bit of stick as well hopefully <laughs> Hatred for Arteta there. Oh, all day. Do you hate him, really? Absolutely hate I mean, him. I don't particularly like him, but I've got nothing against the fella. What oh. do you think, of him as, a, as a manager? I mean, we were linked Absolute heavily. Absolute clown. <laughs> <laughs> Not even mess. And I think he... Get off the fence, Connor. The I, media have been, like, literally phoning all I don't agree with that. Which is mad. Which is mad, because he's not done nothing yet. And they he won don't, two games. They don't look any better than they did under... No, MA. I agree with you there. And it, he's being called the new saviour. Oh, mate, don't. This is why it would be great if we go go there and do a number on them. Be brilliant. Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant if we go. I'd love to see what... Just put him know, in tears. Arteta. <laughs> I'd love to see what Arteta oh. would say after... It, well, if we beat them, it'd be fantastic. Same as when we beat Eddie Al. And people who love Eddie Al are like, oh, well, he's all right. It's going to be awkward this when Arteta's Everton's manager in five years' time. I won't, I, won't, I won't be going. <laughs> if he's Everton manager, I won't go. I'll pass wow. him. I can't stand him, mate. I hate him. <laughs> no old back on the Royal Blue podcast. <laughs> Certainly not. That's a, it's a little teaser segment after uh, Twitter. Wow. I mean, sw- swap it round. Yeah. Arteta is Everton manager and has the same results that he's had for Arsenal, for Everton, and Angelotti goes to be Arsenal manager. Oh, he's, he's the, he's the best thing since sliced bread, isn't he? He's this, Angelotti. He's a, Angelotti gets praise from everywhere. He's done an amazing job. There's gifts of him all over the internet, but... Because he's at Everton, which I don't mind actually, he's doing it in a nice, quiet, and calculated manner for me. And that's what he's not fist pumping all over the place. He's not getting his name out there as if he wants to be recognised. He's just going about it quietly, and there's an inner confidence. And we are, it getting, seems to, we are getting some praise, but not as much as, as I think if that's because they've got to, though, I, haven't that's they? what I was about to say. I think if it was the other way around, as you say, if he was Arsenal manager, it would be everywhere. Oh, it'd be ridiculous. But He'd be at the, it's, just, at yeah. the minute, it's just like it's it's, it's pra- only Everton, isn't it? It's praise. It's only little Everton. It's only that's, Everton. That's, that's how it goes, unfortunately. I mean, so I, I feel. Obviously, it's early days, so we might be a success with Arsenal, but I just feel it's a little bit over the top because oh, the ridiculous. results haven't been fantastic for I mean, Arsenal. I mean, don't, I don't hate him like Connor does. I mean, I don't, I'm, not really, I'm a bit indifferent <laughs> on him at the moment, but, you know, I agree Hated completely with your um, <laughs> sentiments about him being overrated because, yeah, it does. The, Emery could have been in charge of them games and he's probably got similar results when he's playing 100%. the same exact style of football. The only thing for me he's done is kept all the Granit Xhaka and put Ozil on the team. That's the only thing that he's done. The only thing he's done, I think... Like positive is bring also back into the fold, but he's their best player anyway, so I don't know why he was ever out there. He was down two or so as soon as someone yeah. like puts a 50 50 on him, which is what Gomez we get into him on Saturday. <laughs> well, Connor thinks Somebody. we'll win. You, Ben, you're, you obviously think we're going to lose. No, just that's, don't go there, mate. I hate it because <laughs> no, but you know what? Well, come on, Ian, we have, we have a system on the, we have a system on this podcast. I, for the first like however many times I used to always predict we would win the matter though, and we always got beat last two three times I think if I'm correct especially after the last one every time I've come on here and predicted the defeat we've won so you're being negative out yeah. of necessity no then, that's it so we're going to get we're going to get I, beat I 2-1 it. so the opposite's going to happen and I'm sure Angelotti appreciates I, do you know what I agree with that because yeah. I think every time I've been positive early stages of the, the season football and gods are laughing at Everton here yeah. saying we'll do exactly what you don't want us to do so if they're listening it's going to be 2-1 Arsenal there you go so 
so. I can't help but think that we're going to win, though. It just doesn't. I'd love anything. to have yeah. this kind of positivity, lads. I really would. But I've just, the Anfield ones, it still hits. Shall I say to draw then? Well, I, no, you've got to stay win. No, you can't go on the fence now. Mix across the board. Mm. Suvi won it. I don't mind being in the middle and being outnumbered here. I'm, no, but you're right. When you said we'd win, yeah. we lost. But when I said we'd win, we lost as well. If you've lost the here, viewers. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, you're right. I'm going to go draw then. I'm just going to go steady, steady Eddie draw yeah. and keep us in the mix, keep Arsenal at a arm's length. And then Man United, Chelsea then. Hopefully we'll get wins against them coming up. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, we'll call it a day there, lads. I think it's uh, been certainly an enjoyable one. Had a couple of laughs. Um, so thanks for coming on, Connor, Ben. Much Cheers, appreciated. You've been listening to the View from the Dallas Street fan podcast on the Royal Blue channel. You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.